Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255. Ooh, baby, put on the sunglasses, wash the car, hose down the driveway, <laughs> and welcome to April. How nice is this? Oh, couldn't, couldn't have come at a better time, no? Driving. It's still not warm, though. It's still not warm outside. Well, it's relative. It's not minus 30. <laughs> yeah, which is nice. It's just nice to see the sunshine, to be honest with you. Starting to see the sport- And longer days. Sports cars are coming out, too. On the way in today, there's a bunch of them out already. Oh, oh nice. Frank, do you still have yours? Nope. All gone. Wow, now what are you going to do? I'm electric. Oh, God, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Don't they have electric Porsches? Well, you know what? I'll be honest with you. After filling up my uh, my Range Rover this morning or the other day with uh, one hundred and forty five dollars worth of gas, I said I need to go electric too. Yeah. Yep. Okay. How long? I think have, a lot of people are feeling that way. How long an extension cord do you need, Frank? Not long at all. You just get it wired into your garage, and boom! <laughs> oh, oh, it feels you, like oh, a you, little, oh, you unplug it when you drive it. It feels like a little gas nozzle. It really does, except for it's electric. That's all. And how long does it take for you to charge? Not that this is a car show. You do it overnight. Uh, you do it overnight, I think, right? So in many cases, depending on what stage you're at, it could take anywhere between an hour and seven hours. Wow. That's, that's welcome, you're sleeping. Welcome, that, that's, welcome to the automobile show. I know. Yeah. That's, that's longer than it takes to sell a house. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are we at, I'll Paul? You, Paul, if you had I'll, to describe our market in one word, what would it be? Uh, to be honest with you, I'd use the word volatile. Yeah. Um, it's it's our market's changing very very rapidly we saw a shift this week uh we've gone from you know holding offers and no conveyance of offers to sometimes just listing regularly um it's it's shifting really quick and and one of my teammates made a comment to me at at, uh, on tuesday when we had our team meeting he's like why is your message every tuesday always different i'm like because that's how volatile this market is it's changing so quick i mean we're seeing we're seeing listings starting to hit the market feverishly, which is good. Uh, we're up to 1,248 listings. And in the last seven days, we listed 632 homes. So that's that's good news. And we're outpacing the sales as well right now. So it's good to see some inventory coming on the market. We're still in a strong seller's market, but certain areas are in a little bit of a weaker seller market. Like if you're looking at the east end of Ottawa, it's a little bit slower than the west and the south for sure. Um but we're seeing a sharp increase in the number of listings by week. We saw a slight increase in the number of sales, and we saw a slight increase in the average sale price. So I could be telling you something different next Saturday, guys, but I, I, I sense that we are hitting a bit of a – similar to what we hit last June, where it, it started to slow down a little bit as listings started to hit the market and people had opportunity to purchase properties. And sometimes, I mean, there's, there's a hundred properties that are conditionally sold right now, which, you know, wow. three weeks, three weeks ago, you wouldn't have seen that many conditionally sold properties. So it's, it's, it's a different market, very, very, very fluid market. Like I've mentioned for weeks and weeks. And, uh, and I would use the word volatile. I mean, who knows what's happening in, in this market over the next week. How much of this is a result of interest rates? I think a good chunk of Frank, Frank will know better, but I think, I mean, we're dealing with people that are either really quickly trying to get in the market or others that are saying, I can't get in the market anymore, or I can't buy that single family home anymore. I got to buy a town home. I got to buy a condo or I have to buy something small. Uh, so I think the interest rates and Frank will comment on right now, but I think the interest rates have, have, have definitely put a damper on the market for sure. Yeah, no question. I mean, you're looking at five-year rates that now best case scenario, probably three and a half percent. 
for a high ratio purchase. And, you know, uh, in some cases, some of the lenders are three and three quarters and touching 4%. So uh, what happens with that, though, is remember, I mean, we've got a qualifying rate of five and a quarter percent, but it's the higher of five and a quarter percent or the contract rate plus 2%. So what we're seeing now is that in many cases, clients, and this is this is the silly part of this whole thing. And uh, so clients cannot qualify sometimes at 5.79%, but they qualify at five and a quarter. So they're almost being forced to take a variable rate mortgage to get approved and then cross their fingers and hope that rates don't continue to climb. Uh, once it closes, they can go into their with their lenders and then convert it to a fixed mortgage at that point because then they're already qualified. So it doesn't matter. They don't have to qualify anymore, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. That's that little loophole that's in there right now. But at the end of the day, interest rates are holding people back. There's no question that there's more involvement now from parents, even more. I mean, we were up to about 30%. I think that number could could soon hit 50% by the time we hit later on this year, just because on their own, somebody with a, a, an admiral income, a couple with an admiral income could be making 150000 which is pretty good, and still struggling to qualify for a mortgage. Now, some economists are saying the prime might go up the next three times it may go up. 50 basis points per time. Are you reading this? Again, yeah, I mean, some economists are saying that. Others, uh, listen, there's no question, no doubt that um, I can tell you from a couple of sources that I have that there's a huge concern about a recession this fall. They're already starting to to talk about that. And, you know, when you're talking about it in March for something that's going to happen in September, October, it means that there's a runway where they start to see that things are starting to dissipate a little bit. And I think we're starting to see it already by people holding off on on some some expenditures that they normally would have made a year ago. So generally what happens is eventually it starts to add up and add up and we get into positions where employers start to lay people off. You know, discretionary spending is is buying toys, uh, buying uh, going to dinner. I mean, things that you don't have to do. You just, you know, if you can, you do it. Well, that's what's going to go away, the stuff that, you know, you'd like to do it, but you just can't afford it. So, but what happens is once that starts to go away, so do jobs start to dissipate. And once jobs start to dissipate, then the R word starts to be relevant. And and if that starts to happen, then expect interest rates to come back down. Frank, uh, dissipate, that's uh, that's a big word for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, buddy. Hey, Paul, Paul, quick question. Um, what did March feel like for you guys, like like compared to last year? I know last year we did a lot more purchases in March than we did this year. I mean, purchases were, were way down. We, we're still kept busy with renewals and, and refinances, but the purchase side of it is way down. Like, like the numbers will come out later on this week. Yeah. Well, like, the are they going to be that bad? No, the numbers should be out, uh, I would say probably, what are we today, Saturday? By probably Tuesday, the numbers will be out. So I'm interested to see. I mean, I can just tell you, as, as a company, last March, we did 68 sales. This year, we did 59. So we were down a little bit. But um, I still 10%, think- though. That's 10 12%. I mean, it doesn't yeah. sound like a lot. Yeah, but you're right. It is. It is, yeah. Um, and oddly enough, there was probably 10 days left in March. And I was like, holy crap, we're like nowhere near our goal. And just the last 10 days, I guess we just picked up lots of sales. But I, I think you're going to see March over March. I, I mean, March 2021 was pretty robust. So I think we might be, I, you know, I'm not even going to predict. I can't even predict in this market, <laughs> to be honest with you. I know the average sale price will be up March over March, definitely. 
Um, and I think the number of sales will probably be up as well, March over March, but not by a lot. I think we're going to, it was, it was a little bit of a flat March all across the board. I've talked to some other, uh, you know, pretty big realtors in the city too. And, and they're, they're telling me the same tune. I mean, we're down low in listings right now. They're down low in listings. It's just uh, our listings. We listed half the amount of homes this March as we did last March. So wow. it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think we did something like 70 listings last March. I think we're at about 40 this March. So it was we were we were about half what we did last year. Oh, as, so it, as a company, you're talking. As a company, yeah. Yeah. As as as, as far as the city goes, uh, it's gonna be hard to see or hard to tell what the numbers are gonna be. But I look forward to the numbers coming out at, you know, every time uh, you know, we, we just going through this pandemic, I feel like every month it just shocks me. So I'm just I can't wait to see what the numbers tell. <laughs> So what happens if we do head towards this famous R word again? What happens to the market price then? Well, you know what? If if we do hit a recession, I look at everything like an opportunity. You might have an opportunity, right? Like you might have an opportunity to pick up some investment properties. You might have an opportunity to move up. Maybe the, maybe the prices will come down a tiny bit. But, you know, there's there's been reports. I've read reports that the... Uh, they're expecting the average sale price to, to, to drop 24%, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's that's a massive recession if that happened. And I just don't see that happening at all. If, if anything, we flatten out. I believe there's a possibility we could flatten out, but um, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, what we've seen over the last you know 26 months is, is unheard of. And so who really knows what's going to happen with the rest of this year? And if, you know, like, you know, as the interest rates go up and the inflation goes up, yeah, we could be headed towards a recession. I know the States is bracing for a recession. And, you know, once the States goes into a recession, it, we usually follow. So we'll see what happens uh, going forward. But it, we look at that as an opportunity. An at, opportunity. At, the, at the biggest drop in Toronto, Vancouver, did it go down 24%? No, no, it went down, but they went down probably. I mean, I'm, I'm estimating here. I don't know because I don't really follow, follow the Toronto, Vancouver market that closely. Yeah. I would have said probably down maybe uh, 10 to 12%, but I doubt 25%. Yeah, that's, right? a, that's a big nut. Yeah, it's twenty five percent drop. There's no chance that's happening. Although economy economy would be in shock, uh, everything would be turned upside down in our in our country. I mean, the yeah, not happening. Not, I, you know, I think we could see a flattening. There's no question, and you know, flattening wouldn't be the worst thing that happens anyway at this point. Um, I don't know. The more the more that I that I'm in this business and I watch what's happening, I'm still and as much as we've asked for thirty year amortizations for first time home buyers. There's still a part of me that says, I don't understand why it can't be based on the borrower's age. Why not set the amortization based on their age? So if a 28-year-old is buying their first home, why do they have to have it paid off by 53? That'd be against, why the, not? That'd be against the law, though, Frank. That'd be age discrimination. What, what's against the law? Well, it's not age discrimination. It's like you can borrow you know, till, till this age. And whether that age is 70 or 75... You know, if you're 50, you're buying your first home, you can still have a 25-year amortization. But if you're 30 years old, why can't you have a 30 or 35-year amortization or a 40-year amortization for that? You've got a long time to pay off that house. And why are you forced to have to pay it off, uh, you know, at such a young age? And, and, and why are you putting that pressure on someone? So, again, just a just a blue sky thinking uh, but I think we're going to need, if we, if we go into a recession, I think we're going to need that type of thinking moving forward. Otherwise, the housing economy will will crash. And if it does crash, then that's other problems, Oof. more significant problems that would happen. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back.
we return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Back with Frank DiPolitano and Paul Rushforth. This is Steve Gregory. To the phones we go and say hello to Kevin. Morning, Kevin. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you today? Couldn't be better. Great, Kevin. How are you? Oh, not bad. Just heading our way up to the cottage to see if it still survived the winter. And other than that, uh, <laughs> I want to talk about some interest rates. Say hi to the rats yeah. and raccoons and mice for us. <laughs> Will do. Okay. So my question for you guys is today, right, is that mortgage is coming due in August, right? I'm due to retire in about three years. And I've never had a variable rate mortgage. To be honest with you, they scare me because especially in, in today's uh, climate with, uh, we don't know what's going to go on with interest rates. And I was listening to you guys talk about the recession with it possibly coming down. I'm, I'm not sure about the variable rate. I know that it, it'll fluctuate with the interest rates going up. And if I'm, what I don't understand is when you, how can you lock it in and at what rate would it be locked in at if I do so? Great question, Kevin. Um, you know, what rate are you coming off of now? You're probably in the uh, high 2. twos. Uh, 2.59. Again, you've had a good rate for the last five years. You've been comfortable. You've slept at nighttime knowing that that's the rate for the five years. Uh, you know, uh, hindsight being 2020, had you been in a variable, you probably would have been a little further ahead over the last five years. But again, it came with, you know, the potential volatility, especially at the beginning of your five-year term, where rates were probably looking more on the upswing versus the downswing, which COVID hit. So, um, you know, a variable allows you the opportunity to convert it to a fixed mortgage at any time. So if you, you started with the variable in, in August when your mortgage comes up for maturity, you have the opportunity to convert it to a fixed. You, the rate that you get is whatever the fixed rates are at that time. So, again, I, you know, you talked about retiring in three years. Is, is the plan to have it paid off in three years? At what stage of your mortgage are you at right now? Um got 13 years left in amortization right okay. and the goal is to downsize right yeah uh, it's just my wife and i and the four dogs so uh so would that happen at the three-year mark or would you wait the five years and then do it at that point i i can go either or i i can okay. wait another two years right but uh preferably not not okay. to, not, to so, shake, not to shake up your plans but why wouldn't you sell now at the peak and downsize and then get a smaller mortgage. Okay. Uh, to, buy, to sell now and to find something is, I don't want to live where I'm li- like in the same town, right? Um, we want to move somewhere else where it's okay. not, not in a town and so on and so forth. Right. You know? So, so at this point, because you're still working, it makes sense to stay where you are. And then as you retire... You want to be able to look at downsizing at that time because you're going to move to a different part of the city. Different part of the area, yeah, country maybe. Okay, okay. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, if we're going to hit the recession, then it would make sense to take a variable, and that's the big if. Now, today you can get a variable depending on your circumstances, but as low as 1.6, 1.7%, where a fixed mortgage today is in the 3.5% range, best case scenario. So you got a gap of one and a half to one and three quarter percent. Now, if some of the economists are correct and over the next three Bank of Canada meetings, they move it up a half a point each time, then you're back up to where the five-year fixed is. But, you know, if that doesn't happen because they start to see some cracks in the foundation where the economy is starting to slow down, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 
there's a 50-50 chance they're going to raise it 50 basis points in April. I mean, there's still more money on the quarter, but it feels like a half is gaining some steam right now. So even if it went up a half a percentage point in April, then uh, the next meeting is in June. So, uh, you know, you'd be up to, you know, instead of 1.6, 1.7, you'd be just touching 2% kind of thing, just over 2% probably for a variable. So still further ahead. If you want peace of mind, then you take a five-year fix. And if you're okay to accept probably 4%, which is likely where you're going to be close to, then that's okay. But if the variable is one to one and a quarter to one and a half, and we've already had the increases by August, then I would say you might be better off to take a variable. But set your payment as if you took a fixed rate mortgage so that you're, you're paying down your mortgage a little quicker and building a little bit more equity. That's the recommendation I would probably make at that point. Frank, but you need to be comfortable. Frank, couldn't you get a guaranteed rate now for August? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're what? We're April. Yeah, you can pretty well get one for the beginning of August now. Five-year rate guarantee now for the beginning of August yeah. for sure. When, when does the bank meet? Uh, what, what day in April do they meet? Uh, April, I want to say the 13th, if I'm not mistaken. I think the next Bank of Canada announcement is on April 13th. Okay, that's good for me because I, I got to do it by the 8th. So, yeah, well, so, well, again, I mean, you know, the the, the fixed rates are, are, are basically put in place by what happens with the bond market. So the bond market's been trending upwards, almost pricing in the fact that Bank of Canada would raise by, by uh, you know, a quarter at least and maybe a half a percent. What's going to be more interesting before the Bank of Canada announcement is our budget, which happens this coming week. So I think that's going to give us a better sign of, of, of what's to come uh in the future and see what kind of programs are unveiled by our government that will uh, hopefully uh, calm inflation down a little bit. But what happens to, uh, historically, what happens if we go into a recession? What happens to the bond market, Frank? Well, generally it comes down. The bond market will come down. Which means as fixed will, would come uh, down, right? Fixed would come down and prime rate would come down as well if we go into a recession. I mean, we saw it in, you know, with the housing crash that happened back in 2007, 2008, where interest rates crashed globally, not only in Canada, but globally. So uh, U.S. Is, is teetering along the same path as we are. I mean, they're really struggling right there. House prices have started to come down in U.S. Now, they're much more volatile than we are in Canada. You know, they go up and down like yo-yos as opposed to Canada's pretty stable. But uh, we're already starting to see in the U.S. that house prices are starting to come down. But, Frank, to get, to, to, to get primed to 374, that's going to take a lot of increases. It will, and and I don't know, can, can our economy coming off of uh, a global pandemic handle this kind of shock again? I, I personally, I based on you know customers that I meet, I think people would really struggle. I think what's, what's held people, what's allowed people to get further ahead financially is number one, they've built some amazing equity in their home over the last two years because the house values have gone up. And number two, working from home has allowed them to save a whole lot of money on expenditures that they would normally have on a daily basis, i.e. gas at almost two bucks a liter, uh, lunches, clothes, uh, just everything that goes with having to work out of your office instead of working from home. That's cash that a lot of people were able, households were able to keep in their bank accounts. So that's what's gotten them ahead. And it sounds like, like certainly Jim Watson talked about, he wants city employees back in the office by late spring. So all of a sudden, you're adding expenses to a lot of these people, and, and that's going to take away spending everywhere else. What about a three-year uh, fixed rate, then, or a two-year fixed rate? 
again, you can go in that direction. If you really look at where rates are today, the two and the three year aren't that much different than a five year. So, you know, if your plan honestly is to potentially sell and downsize and maybe at that point you will not need a mortgage at the end of three years if you downsize, then I would still recommend a variable rate mortgage just because if you do it and the timing is off a bit, your penalty is only going to be three months interest and it's not that bad. It's just for a lot of people, they had to get their head around the variable and the volatility of a variable. And listen, apart from what we're going through this year, once everything starts to calm down, you know, honestly, we had the pandemic in March of 2020. Prime rate dropped uh, beginning of April in 2020, and no changes have been done until February of 2022. So we went almost two years without any prime rate change whatsoever. Before that, we had gone about two years again without any increases or changes to the prime rate. So prime rate isn't as, uh, uh, you know, doesn't have as many changes as a lot of people think. We just go through phases where it changes a little bit more and we're going through now because of inflation and we went through one in 2020 because of the pandemic. Okay, one last question. I wanna, what, what if I wanna not remain with the lender I'm with, right? And move to a different lender. Under, mm-hmm. the, under the one I'm in right now, I have a collateral mortgage. And I want to get out of that. A lot of lenders now uh, are are accepting a collateral mortgage and they're actually picking up the tab to switch switch it over to them. So when they first came out, uh, it was a little tougher, but now a lot of the lenders want the business and and value the business and they're willing to pony up the legal fees behind the scenes to actually uh, take on that mortgage. So as a consumer, it won't cost you anything in many cases. Good news. Uh, Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's really good news. All right. Okay. Uh, so, do I call you or do I call one of your? Yeah. Give, give the office a call. <laughs> give the office a call, and uh, and either myself or one of my team members uh, or anybody at Mortgage Brokers Auto will be able to help you for sure. They're not all as good as Frank, but they're damn close. <laughs> they're good. We're lucky. <laughs> well, Frank, Frank doesn't own a gas vehicle anymore, right? So right. <laughs> you should have all that extra money to help me out. Uh, and, and all the money I'm saving on breakfast, too. Like, I'm loaded right now. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. Good luck. Thanks, Thanks Kevin. You gentlemen, have a great day. Thanks, you too. Uh, so just before we go to break, speaking of rate guarantees, good time to get one now? Great time to get one. I mean, we're still trending upwards. I mean... Uh, nothing wrong with having it in your pocket. I think a rate guarantee at least gives you something that you can fall back on. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us are shocked. None of us saw the increases happening at this at the rate that we're seeing them. And I can tell you, I speak with lenders, and they're shocked that they're having to do this. So, All right, when we come back, we'll get Paul's opinion on what BC wants to do with the cooling off period. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. We are back with Paul Rushforth and Frank Napolitano. This is Steve Gregory. Well, Paul, what do you think of BC introducing the Home Buyer Protection Bill? Give you a cooling off period after you've made the decision to purchase a home. Well, you know what? I think Frank and I are probably going to be at odds on this because I don't like it. I know Frank does like it. I don't like it. Uh, The reason is, is because I've seen way too often homes that had to come back on the market and what happens to them. They they almost look like there's something wrong with it. There's a stale listing. Just so everyone knows, in BC, they're doing a cooling off period where you have time to do an inspection, get your financing in order, and potentially walk away from the property. That now, now they, they are talking about some kind of a fine if you walk away, but they haven't said how much. 
Well, it, it, you should lose your deposit, to be honest with you. Something like that should happen. I mean, if you're buying a property, you have to be prepared to buy a property, even in a hot market. And to have that cooling off period, uh, whether it's, you know, a week or, or 10 days, and then you back out on inspection and it has to go back on the market, people have moved on to another property. So I, I think it's unfair. Um, I, I, listen, we go through different periods where you're allowed to have inspections. When you can, when you're, you're always allowed to have an inspection, but we'll go through periods where, the market's so hot, you can't do an inspection. And truthfully, if they wanted to change something, I would take off the cooling off period and I'd bring in mandatory inspections is what I would do. I wouldn't have a cooling off period because someone might go in, you know, bid 200000 over asking for this property. And in their cooling off period, something else might hit the market that piques their interest even more. And they might decide to go bid on that property and walk away from this one. And it's a trickle down effect and it's going to cripple sellers if this happens. I don't like it and they better not bring it to Ontario. It's just not good. Now, Frank probably has different views, but I don't really care what Frank's views are. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? My view isn't that much different than yours. The only thing is I say is I like the cooling off period. If you're not getting a home inspection, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's, that's my beef. My beef isn't about anything. You know, I think if you make a decision and you buy a property and you've, you've signed on the contract, it's a legally binding contract where my issue is I hate seeing people put under pressure to buy a home without home inspection. So I think if, if that, if they're not going to introduce home inspections and if, and if somebody cannot get a home inspection, then I think a cooling off period at least protects them having an opportunity to be able to get a home inspector in there get that home inspection done at their cost. And if the inspection fails, they have an opportunity to bail out no different than having an inspection clause. So that's the only thing, that's the only difference we have because I too, I believe that when you sign a binding contract, you have a binding contract. So you should honor that contract. Yeah. Well, well why, I, why are we? Frank, I, do, I, I don't disagree with you when it comes to home inspection. I, I, I'm not opposed to uh, having some sort of some sort of rule or law or, or bill passed that you uh, it, it's, it's mandatory to do home inspections. I don't disagree with that. I mean, when you're buying a million dollar home or even a $500,000 home, not knowing the, the, the deficiencies with that property is, is a problem. And we're not all very, we're not all equipped to know electrical and plumbing and all the wiring and all that kind of stuff where home inspectors are. So I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. If they want to bring in something, I'd bring in home inspections are mandatory, but I would never bring in a cooling off period. But, but, but again, in lieu of, in lieu of why not? I mean, if they won't pass the mandatory home inspection, then bring the cooling off period and, and it lieu up, but at least protect the purchaser. Don't let the vendor, get away with selling a property that has severe issues, get away with it, uh, with selling it without having at least protecting the purchaser. That's all. That's all I think the most people want. Yeah. But why, why dance around home inspections? Why not just make them mandatory? It's the easier of all the routes, but who pays for it? So that's the question. Now, you know, if you get into a cooling off period, then the purchaser has to pay for the home inspection. If you get into a mandatory home inspection, then I think the vendor has to pay for it. So now it becomes, so who do we who do we put that cost on? Is it the vendor or do we put it on the purchaser? And and that's what I think is going to ultimately decide which way they go. You can't you can't put that on the vendor. I'll tell you why. Liability unless they're approved. Unless they're approved. Liability no. issues, Frank. Liability issues. If I if I'm the vendor, I bring in a home inspection company. Could be my Not brother. You. Could be my no, brother. That's just it. It's got to be no different than the lenders do today. It's got to be an approved home inspector that is approved by the province and has errors and emissions insurance and is backed by the government so that if something does go wrong, 
as the purchaser, you can go back to the government and say, hey, here's what happened. They failed. They made a mistake. My foundation actually has a leak. I'm getting water in. And there's insurance that protects the purchaser at that point. And You're guess right. Who gets, guess who gets sued? The seller always gets sued, my friend. The seller always gets sued. Yeah, I, but, I, yeah but who pays for it? That's going to happen anyway now. With the home inspector, whether the purchaser pays for it or the vendor, that, that lawsuit's going to happen potentially anyway at some point. But who yeah, pays for so. a safety on a vehicle right now? Either or. The vendor does. No, not necessarily. You sell it with. Well, you buy it as is, and then you're right. You have to pay for the for the, uh, for the safety, safety, and yeah. then whatever costs come with it. So yeah. you're buying it. Yeah. So how yeah. is how is it different if you're selling your biggest investment or buying your biggest investment? How is that difficult than getting a safety on a vehicle? Well, yes, yeah, seriously. Like you get a safety on a ten thousand dollar vehicle, but you don't get a safety or an inspection on a million dollar house. That makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen we've actually seen people who have moved into a property who weren't able to do a home inspection because they were so competitive. And we 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 have clients ourselves who they found issues with the property. So I, I know that's happening everywhere. Uh, and it's and it's hard because you got to say to them like, "I'm sorry, we inspected with the best of our ability while we were there for the half an hour that we were allowed to see this house." But sorry, we didn't see the wiring or the plumbing or this or that. We didn't see all this stuff that we could have seen. And keep in mind, during COVID, showings were limited to 30 minutes. Yeah. So you had to check all that within 30 minutes as you're trying to picture yourself living in this property and arranging furniture, where the little Sally's bed's going to go. You still have to look at some of the major problems with the house. And, and I think uh, there's there's been a lot of issues because of that. And it's And it's sad, but that's the market we're in and we can't change that. I mean, it's, it's nice to see that more homes are actually going conditionally sold right now. Uh, they're having not the, the option to have a home inspection and work on their financing. Um, you know, cause it's, I just think that cooling off period might be a, a real detriment to sellers. If, if people just decide to back out because uh, we just don't want the house anymore after 10 days, you know? So it's, it's going to be tough. It's, it's interesting to see what's going to happen in BC. I mean, uh, you know, they're in, just as competitive market as we are in. Uh, so I wouldn't doubt if they're trying to bring something into Ontario. I just hope it's not a cooling off period. Bring in a mandor- mandatory inspection, that's fine, but just not a cooling off period. Mandatory inspection would be provincial, correct? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So what is so the, we- what can the federal government do on Thursday in the budget that would help it, homeowners? I think they mandate provinces to bring them in is, is what they can do. Uh, whether the provinces agree with them or not is another story, but but I think they can at least start that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, I mean, it, the, the provinces got pressure on them. If, if the federal government is mandating that they do it and the provinces don't follow suit, they'll have to answer to potentially purchasers who are saying, I don't understand how why, why the federal government is mandating it and you guys aren't following uh, through with it. Yeah, so, that's where I get lost because how can the federal government mandate something they have no control over? They can't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think they can strongly recommend uh, that they do it. And again, I mean, keep in mind, provincial governments get funded by federal governments. So, you know, sometimes you got to do maybe not exactly what you want to do, but you have to do it because there's financial implications involved. So now, what the feds can do is handle the money, right? So, what do you think they're going to? Sure. What do you think they're going to propose this week? Boy, it'd be nice to see the 30-year amortization returning for first-time home buyers. It'd be nice. Uh, you know, I think that there were some promises made at uh, the last um, election that hopefully they can follow through on. Uh, you know, the, the province of Ontario this week, uh, you know, did the provincial or the uh, foreign tax. So now it's across uh, Ontario, not just in, in certain areas of Ontario. So Ottawa's bound by that, too. So there's a tax if you're a foreign buyer. 
Uh, but I think on the federal level, again, the first time home buyer would be a good one. I think there's going to be some kind of a savings plan uh, for first time home buyers to be able to put money away tax free, very similar to a tax free savings account, which to me is kind of confusing. If you're a first time home buyer, why do you need that if there's already the TFSAs out there? You, you've already got something. So I don't understand why they want to duplicate that. Um, and hopefully, I mean, I'd love to see a tweak to that first time home buyer incentive because I think. You know, looking at the whole program, it's a good program until there's shared equity. And it's a shared equity part that most Canadians want nothing to do with. So they may have to maybe tweak that a little bit. It'd be nice to see them tweak it so that they don't have the shared equity and give, uh, you know, with the price of houses going up. So if a consumer, a first time home buyer puts 5% down, they can get another 5% interest free loan so that they're getting it with 10% down, therefore lowering the payment a little bit and, and maybe, maybe making affordability a little bit better for them. No chance. You know what, Frank? No, no. You know what, Frank? I, I definitely don't disagree with the foreign tax uh, coming throughout the, the whole province, um, mainly because I, I do believe a lot of these buyers who are coming from, you know, Toronto and elsewhere are driving the prices up right now. I mean, we, we, we see them bidding, you know, hundred and two hundred thousand dollars over other offers and and it, to them it's cheap. I mean when they're 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 paying seven fifty for a townhouse here in Ottawa that they'd be paying, you know, almost two million in Toronto. It's cheap money for them. And so I don't disagree with that foreign tax at all. I mean it will hurt some investments here, but at the same time it allows, you know, potentially allows the prices to stabilize a little bit and people get into home ownership, which will be nice. Yeah, but somebody from Toronto's not a foreign buyer, Paul. Well, I know they're foreign to us, yeah, no, yeah. But, but the truth is they're choosing Ottawa instead of Toronto because the house house right. prices are so much less. And foreign buyers, as a rule, do not get mortgages. So we don't even see them. Like We don't even know that anything is happening because the money, they, they don't borrow any money. Foreign buyers are generally buying these properties cash without any mortgage. Terms foreign, on buyers, foreign buyers, like the, the true term foreign buyers, are usually not buying in Ottawa. They're buying in Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary. Until the prices are out of whack. And, and yeah. now that the prices are out of whack, I think they've made Montreal, Ottawa, Calgary as their next prime targets. And I think that's what uh, Doug Ford did, as he said. If, if we're going to spread this out to Kingston, yeah. Kingston's had another surge. I mean, Kingston prices are, are off the charts right now. So yeah, And it's 20% See, you know, and it's 20% now too, right? Yeah. Steve, I know we have to go to break, but on the other side of the break, I want to talk about a, a really uh, – incredible initiative my girlfriend Petra's taken on and uh, let you guys know. Uh, she loved you? What a great initiative. <laughs> I'll talk about that after the break. <laughs> She's starting her own website. Don't date Paul. <laughs> 521 talk, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the segment of the show we like to call, How Can Someone So Nice and Giving Be Dating Paul Rushforth? <laughs> <laughs> let me guess. Let me guess, Paul. She's going to buy us breakfast because you don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Listen, I just wanted to give a shout out and see if we can get some support. Uh, my incredibly beautiful girlfriend, uh, Petra, and her amazing son, Zach, have decided to uh, help the the relief effort in, in Ukraine and they are bringing over a family to live with them and support them. Uh, it's a, it's a young mother with a nine-year-old child uh, coming to live with Petra and we're looking for anything to help this family out. They're coming with one suitcase. They have nothing. Um, if there's anything you guys could donate to a nine-year-old boy or to a, to a young mother, um, you, you know, you can email me at paul at paulrushport.com. 
or drop things at my office. Uh, I have a Canada office and an Orleans office. We would love to support. Keep in mind, these people are their their town and their house was damaged and destroyed. Well, not damaged, destroyed uh, with bombs. Uh, they had to flee. Um, uh, I believe they're in Holland right now. I can't remember. I think she said Holland right now, but they are coming in the next couple of weeks over to Ottawa uh, and we'll be living with uh, Petra and Zach. So I just want to let Petra know that I'm proud of her. I know she's listening. She's done a great thing to help this family. And I know there's lots of people in Ottawa doing the same thing. Uh, if you can support in any way, please do. Paul at paulrushport.com or my Canada or my Orleans office will take any donations for a nine-year-old boy and a young mother. Anything specific awesome. they need, Paul? I just, just everything, I guess, eh? Well, I don't, you know, like things like, I mean, like he's coming over with no technology. He's coming over with very limited clothes. He's coming over like anything a nine-year-old boy would need. Um, we, we would love to have or love to accept. Um, or, you know, a young mother. I mean, she's probably coming over with no cosmetic products. She's probably coming over with very limited clothing. Uh, you know, she's probably, you know, she's coming over with, with nothing. They're coming over with a suitcase each. So if there's anything you can do to support, support that, we would really, really appreciate it. And email's easiest, paul at paulrushforth.com? Yeah, yeah, paul at paulrushforth.com. Or we've actually had people, I put it on Facebook earlier this week, and I've had people just popping into the Orleans office and the Canada office, dropping off things for for the kids. And for those people that have done it so far, I really, really appreciate it. Because, you know, it's hard to believe that this family is is coming here after losing their home, leaving their family. And just having to start all over. She's an English translator, so her English is perfect too. So she'll be looking for a job if anyone's hiring. She's a she's a she's an educated English translator. Um, she will be living in the East End of Ottawa, so ideally, an East End job would be ideal because she won't have a car. Uh, although Frank did say that he was going to sponsor and uh, buy her a Corvette, which was really nice. <laughs> thank, you. thank you for that, Frank. I appreciate that. That's so, the money I saved from breakfast, I think. Yeah, there you go. It's going into a Corvette, yeah. So anyways, anyways, uh, I really appreciate it, guys. And then, then Petra, I'm proud of you for doing that. That's fantastic. Hey, What's she doing with you? Like, I don't get it. So what you too, good, too good for me. Right? <laughs> Way too good. But Petra and Zach are doing a great thing. Do you yes, have, do awesome. You, do you always have headphones on her with a blindfold? <laughs> yes, I do. I, do. Yeah. I, I find I look much better when she's blindfolded. So, yes. yes I do. Yeah. Hey, yeah, no, that's a great initiative. That's a great initiative. Oh, yeah. It's yeah fantastic. Awesome. Fantastic. The new short-term rental rules took effect uh, for the Airbnbs in Ottawa. No big change for investors. I guess everybody knew this was going to be on the table, right? Yeah. No question. No question. And and we're seeing more and more places, uh, you know, and and, not only Ottawa, but we're seeing more cities across the globe uh, put rules like that in place. So uh, uh, it was coming, and I think most investors did see it coming. Yeah. So what happens to all those properties now, Paul? Do they did they become rented out on a regular basis, or are they going to be for sale? Well, the, first of all, there's a ton of rentals on the market right now, and I we're, we're actually seeing a lot of uh, landlords. Well, no, I wouldn't say a lot, but we're starting to see with the way the prices have gone up. Sometimes being a landlord's a pain. We're, we're starting to see some landlords turn those into to uh, sales. Like they're they're not keeping them as investments anymore. They're taking advantage of what's happening in this housing market. Which, you know what? I I, I kind of I'm speaking out of one side of my mouth and then the other side of my mouth. Whereas I always believe in keeping your doors. Um, however, not everyone's built to be a landlord. Not everyone's built to be a landlord. So if you're not built to be a landlord and you need to sell, this is the time to do it, right? Um, and you know, but I I'm I'm the type of guy that I will always want to collect doors and not sell doors. Um, 
but if there's any one time in in, in history so far in the in a, in a real estate market, now's the time to unload your investment property for sure. If you had to. All right. Seeing that Paul's girlfriend is doing such a nice thing, I'm going to let him go first with birthdays this week. <laughs> oh, really? I get to go first. Yeah. We're actually early right now, and Steve actually knows I have a lot of birthdays. Might even That's awesome. Wait a minute, more than Frank. Way week. more than me, because I only got the one. So, yeah, way more than me. Well, I do want to recognize, actually, one of Petra's very dear friends, Jody Adler, who's off to Costa Rica tomorrow. She uh, celebrates her 40th birthday on Monday. So, happy birthday, Jody. Have you a wonderful time in Costa Rica? Um, on the 5th of um, April, Jason Craig, who's my all-star inside sales agent, Angie White, who's my rock star office um, manager, Paul Royce, one of my agents, and uh, Jocelyn, who's my assistant, her son, Nick White, celebrates a birthday on the 5th. And also want to uh, congratulate uh, Kevin Janigo, my, one of my uh, longtime super agents who celebrated 11 years with the company uh, yesterday. So happy um, anniversary, Kevin. And also yesterday was the 11-year anniversary of Paul Rushforth Real Estate. Wow. So, happy yeah. anniversary. What, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. What are you getting us for your anniversary? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Paul, when we started the show, you would have been a Keller Williams then at that time, I guess, eh? For the first few years. Yeah. Yeah, the first few years before you started your own real estate. Hmm. I yeah. forgot that. See, just like that. Yeah. You forget that kind of stuff. Yep. And, oh. and they said it wouldn't last. <laughs> and they said it wouldn't last. <laughs> they said it couldn't be done. <laughs> Birthday, Frank? Uh, superstar, all-star on our team, uh, Derek Artichuk, celebrating his birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday to Artie. Artie. I love having chats yeah. with Artie. He calls me yeah. occasionally. We have good chats. Yeah. All right. So next week, we'll see what happens with the budget, and we'll find out what happened with the March numbers. Right, Paul? Yes, we will. We'll have the March numbers. And uh, just a reminder, i uh, love, love to have that support from my girlfriend, Petra, and the Ukrainian family. Thank you very yeah. much. Awesome, awesome. Please please continue to support local businesses and charities, just, everyone. Uh, give us your address, East and West, Paul. Uh, East End Office is 3002 St. Joseph Boulevard, which is right opposite Plasterlings Mall. And in the West End, it's 45 Didsbury, which is in Centrum, uh, right by the um, Canadian Tire in Canada. Just, look, yeah, just watch the speed bumps. Yeah, just, that I was just going to say, <laughs> just look for the speed bumps. <laughs> yeah. They're mountains. They're not speed bumps. They're mountains. Yes, they are. Yeah. Have a great week, gentlemen. Have a great, Have a great week, week everybody. everybody.